and welcome to Let's Get STEMI with Willie and Shrib. Today, we will be offering our opinions on the magnificent induced pluripotent stem cells. Okay, so let's just start right away. There's so much to get into. So where did it all start? Induced pluripotent stem cells were first discovered in 2006 by Dr. Yamanaka at Kyoto University in Japan. He first worked as an orthopedic surgeon and then started to delve into research to find cures for his patients with spinal issues. Yeah, so the process all started when he first took some of mice's skin cells and was able to change them back into unspecialized cells. I mean, this man is just fantastic, am I right or am I right? Hey Shrib, why don't we start talking about the purpose and importance of IPS cells? You're right. Let's talk right now, William. The creation of IPS cells was a scientific breakthrough in that now scientists can find a safer way to produce pluripotent stem cells, meaning they are capable of differentiating into any type of cell in the body. This is one of the many defining characteristics of the IPS cell. And the best part is that we don't have to terminate a blastocyst, which is one of the controversies regarding how scientists derive embryonic stem cells. But wait. What are embryonic stem cells, you may ask? Embryonic stem cells are pluripotent cells that scientists can take from a blastocyst or an embryo when an egg cell is fertilized by a sperm cell. Five to six days later, after fertilization, the egg enters the blastocyst stage and creates an inner cell mass that is full of undifferentiated cells, which can be extracted and used as embryonic stem cells. However, by extracting these cells, you are essentially killing the blastocyst. I can't believe that IPS cells do not require the termination of a blastocyst. I mean, we have the best of both worlds, saving lives and not destroying a life. Right? It's just so astonishing. I also can't believe that all you need to produce an IPS cell is a cell from anywhere on the body and four protein factors, which were also determined by Yamanaka. In 2007, Yamanaka and James Thompson, a professor at the University of Wisconsin, both independently and successfully found a way to produce IPS cells on humans. They saw that the four specific protein factors, SOX2, OCT4, KLF4, and CMYC, could be injected into the viruses and then put into cells to essentially reverse the effect time had on them and change them back into the developing stages when they were still undifferentiated. But, did you know that in 2008, scientists began only using three genes instead of four because the CMYC gene method was causing the formation of tumors? So another reason why the NIH should invest more in IPS cells is because they are still relatively new and unstable when placed in a human subject. That is all so spectacular, but why not choose something else such as a somatic stem cell? Somatic stem cells, or adult stem cells, have been used quite often for the past 50 years or so. They're used for bone marrow transplants and to make small substitutes for organs, such as the bladder. However, they have certain drawbacks. They are not pluripotent, so they can only differentiate into a certain amount of, the, of other cells. In addition, they do not proliferate like embryonic or induced pluripotent stem cells. Okay, to be honest, these somatic cells are sounding kind of okay now. But why should we prefer them over IPS cells? Somatic stem cells are, are great for making substitutes for small organs, such as the bladder and larynx, but we have yet to discover ways to help them, help them to accommodate greater organs, such as the brain and heart. They can be taken by drilling into the bones, such as the pelvis, which can require a lot of pain and time.
Okay, so today we are going to speak to Karina Kular, who's a vehement advocate for somatic cell research funding. So let's just get to it. So why do you think somatic cells are more transformative than iPS cells? Well, let's just take a look at what somatic cells can do. They're the center of regenerative medicine. Just think about all the people with damaged or lost organs. We can give them back the life they deserve. We can create human bladders, restore damaged skin through a skin gun, human livers, muscle tissue, jaw bones, seeding artificial organs. I mean, the limits are just endless. True, but IPS cells can essentially do the same thing, but more through their pluripotent feature. I see what you're saying, but somatic cells have no federal restrictions. There's more belief in safe in somatic cells because the rest of the stem cells are unpredictable. Somatic cells are approved, so why wouldn't you get more NIH funding? Okay, I see what you are saying, but only through more research and funding are we going to get to a place where we get federally approved and restrictions are removed. Yes, but let's stick with what we know. Somatic cells have been used as a treatment for over 50 years in bone marrow transplants, and as an alternative, we can use cord blood to retrieve these cells. This type of stem cell is the safest way to go, so we shouldn't invest into something we aren't certain about, actually, for over 60 years. Oh, wow, interesting. But I think that's where you're wrong, Karina. Science and the STEM field, it's all about taking risks and experimenting. Why be a path follower when you can be a path paver? I totally understand where you're coming from. Anyway, it's been great. It's been a great discussion with you. Thanks for having me on. Let's get stemming. Ah, uh, no problem. Thanks for taking time out of your day to do this with us. Wow, that was some great insight. And did you know that iPS cells can also be used to study the progression of diseases by taking diseased cells back to an embryonic state and studying their development? On the other hand, iPS cells are less time-consuming and can even proliferate. Okay, so let's get to the cool stuff now. So what can we do with these iPS cells? There's just so many endless possibilities what we can use them for in the scientific field. I know, right? We can use them to treat neural conditions. And just in 2012, scientists at the Roslyn Institute created nerve tissue from iPS cells to use on patients with neural conditions. And to add on to that, you can cure sickle cell anemia in mice. And clinical trials in humans may start too, soon too. And it's actually insane how many lives could change because of these studies. I promise I'm only going to talk about one more cool thing. So in 2014, in Japan, the first human clinical trial was approved to help treat macular degeneration. I mean, the first step to restoring someone's eyesight was taken. I mean, it sucks, but it was suspended in March 2015. But still, the important thing was that a step was made, and it shows just how transformative iPS cells can be made in the medical field. Sure, the other stem cells can do some pretty amazing things, but they have nowhere near the amount of amazing and drastic of properties IPS, IPS cells carry. IPS cells for the win! <laughs> Thank you for tuning in this week to hear our opinions on the induced pluripotent stem cells. Tune in next week to see what we think about prosthetic technology. See you, See you next, next week, week on Let's Get, Get Stemmy with, with Willie and Shriv. Shriv.